Well, welcome to Ninja on the Loose. I'm George, G-Money, whatever you want to call me. Have you ever been to a meeting that just went too long? Have you been to a meeting and said to yourself, what am I doing in this meeting? I don't even care about what they're talking about. Or have you been to a meeting and said, I've forgotten why I came here because this is going way too long, too much chatter about things not related to the meeting. Well, you know, if you've ever encountered any of those things, they, they do happen. It's kind of a common thing. And it's not because uh, people don't uh, pay attention to what they're doing, but uh, there's certain ways of running meetings and... You know, it's not really rocket science, but there are guidelines that, uh, as it turns out, a lot of volunteers, for example, have difficulty following. And it's not really that hard. There's a book, a guideline, uh, you've probably heard of it, uh, Robert's Rules of Order. And it's a parliamentary procedure that uh, any formal meeting organization uses. And it's really to keep things clean and flow smoothly and just keep... Keep a meeting moving. Now, I've, uh, like I said, been to a whole lot of meetings, uh, particularly in my media uh, experience. I've attended, hmm, I would like to say thousands of meetings, but that might be a slight exaggeration, so I'm going to say hundreds of meetings for sure. It was pointed out to me here just recently that when it comes to local politics, I have been to more town council meetings than any of the elected officials we've ever had in our community. Uh, that was related to uh, radio and newspaper. Uh, when I was doing media stuff, I would cover town council, and so I would be at all the meetings. And yeah, I, oh man, I have easily been to hundreds of those meetings. Now, I've also been part of a number of nonprofit organizations myself, and in these particular incidents, I've actually had to run meetings because typically when I become a member of a nonprofit organization, I like to be on the executive. So that could be either the recording secretary vice president or president or chairman and typically as a chairman or a president you run the meetings and so I have kind of a method I've used and it's been pointed out to me recently that I seem to have a fairly efficient way of running meetings so this is kind of what I want to share with you here in this particular podcast is how to keep a meeting kind of smooth and how to just kind of take care of business without dragging it on too long. One of the things I've noticed, and this was kind of the the, the model I used when I first became uh, the president of one of the many organizations in town, was I thought, okay, you know, these are volunteers. I should be grateful that they're at this meeting. Uh, I don't want to keep them long. I don't want the meetings to be too frequent, so you know, once a month would be okay. And usually, the constitution of these nonprofit organizations indicated that anyway. Once a month at the least, uh, eight months, nine months of a year, you know, take one or two months off, three months off, depending on what season it is. Eh? So, as it turns out, that was what we did was uh, take that particular guideline. I would focus on the meetings being once a month. Now, as I said, these are volunteers, and I know if I sit in a meeting that's two, three, four, five, oh, oh sorry, uh, six hours long, I'm going to tune out. 
and I'm not likely to want to go to another one. There was one provincial organization I was part of in the, mm, I'm going to say, late 1980s, early 1990s. And these were out-of-town meetings, so travel time was at least two hours to get to one of these meetings. And it was an all-day meeting and on a Sunday. And at that time, that was the only day off I had. Thank goodness these meetings were infrequent, and what I mean by that, they were not once a month. They were probably once every three months, every four months. But boy, I'll tell you, long meetings, and I thought, why are these so long? And it was because there was one delegation over here that would just go on and on and on about their particular issue, and whoever was running the meeting would let them go on and on and on about their particular issue, to the point where the rest of us were saying, shut up. So, having experienced that firsthand, I don't ever want to put other people through that when I run a meeting. So I follow Roger's rules of order, <clears throat> not to the letter, but, you know, the basics of it. Uh, you make a motion, you second a motion, you vote on a motion, uh, and you get those in the books. Uh, I'm a firm believer in having a paper trail, and so for me to have someone keep the notes, the minutes of the uh, particular meeting and be able to refer back to it six months down the road, a year, three years later, five years later, and be able to say, yeah, that's exactly what happened in that meeting. That made lots of sense. It's short, concise, and all the motions that need to be recorded are recorded. I've been in meetings where, <sighs> I don't know why, I just don't know why, I've been in meetings where people around the table want to make motions about things they don't need to make motions on. I mean, stuff like, should we change the color of the toilet paper? Yeah, I'd like to vote on, I make a motion that we go with red, or whatever, and it just gets out of hand. I My simple rule is, if it's money related, you gotta document that. If it's related to something that you're going to want to follow up on at one point. If it's not an item for information, maybe make a motion out of it, but primarily if it's got to do with money, it's got to be recorded. Especially if you're a non-profit, uh, sorry, non-profit organization, because that, in my mind, uh, presents uh, accountability and transparency. So I'm really, really big on that stuff. So that's why I do that. Also, uh, another thing about meetings is, like I said, you don't want the people sitting there to be there too long. I try to keep my meetings about an hour long. If there's more stuff to discuss, yes, they'll go longer. But I also like to kind of get the delegation reports down to just what's the bare facts here? What do we need to hear? And I also like to give the delegations enough power to make decisions on their own. Within reason, if there's a budget that they need, give them, you know, a ceiling of 200 bucks or whatever the budget is. And just tell them, I don't need to know what you've spent it on until you come back with your report. And that seems to work reasonably well, too. Uh, of course, now you have to understand you have to have the right people in these places, right? So if you have the right people in these places, all this stuff moves really smoothly and you get a lot of stuff done. So, that again is why I do some of these meetings. Another thing I've noticed too in meetings is um, uh, the, I call it the room politics. I can give you an example, recent example, I was part of a, 
a group that was making a delegation to a, politi a political body, I guess I'll call it, a political body, and um, there was some fear as to how this was going to go because the meeting was unfortunately in the political body's building. So I call that home field advantage. All right, so the people we were dealing with had home field advantage. So as part of my prep for the group that was going to make this delegation presentation, uh, we had a couple of private meetings of our own, and I explained, look, it's, yes, this, unfortunately, the venue is in their home field advantage, but we do have ways in which we can make this work to our advantage. And I tried to explain to a couple of people around the table who thought that this was now going to be a hopeless venture because we're in the wrong building, it's not neutral, it's not neutral ground, what are we going to do? And there's some science behind that. I believe that's, that's a valid argument. However, as I said, went into this meeting and explained to my delegates uh, group that we're going to do a few things differently. We have to throw these people off balance because we are in their home field advantage, but we can't let them take that and run with it. We had to take control of the room, and that's what we did. So there are a couple of tricks that I like to use. Uh, I'm not going to give them all away, but uh, the one trick we used in this particular meeting was each member of my delegation sat next to a member of the group that we're meeting. The whole idea was I said, look, we can't have a, a, a table between us where they're on one side and we're on the other because now it becomes us against them. And I said, we need to break up the room politics. And so I designated everybody to sit next to a different member of this political body that we're dealing with. And I made it very clear that we were not supposed to let two of the other political body sit next door to each other. Two members, they couldn't sit next to each other. We had to break it up completely, break the room up completely. And uh, it was quite successful. We not only threw them off their game, if you will, uh, we actually took control of the room and uh, achieved a couple of goals. Uh, that we had gone in there for. So uh, I'm very happy with the results there. And that's just one little ploy that you could use to get some leverage if you're in a situation where it doesn't look very good and you're in the wrong venue and you've lost home field advantage. It, it is a game. I look at it as a game of chess and a game of sports and there is always a way to win. And it's not always because you have the strongest guys in the team. And it's not always because you have the home field advantage. But you can always win if you've got the smartest guys on your team. And you make the right plays based on that. So I have a top five list here. Uh, five things to do uh, for meetings that I do. So hopefully this will help. Uh, number one, have an agenda. And stick to it. You gotta have an agenda. You need to have your, you know, your new business, your old business, your treasurer's report, your delegation reports. You gotta have all these kind of things, and you gotta stick to it. And uh, you have to have this stuff because it gives you the foundation to build your meeting on. And if you have that kind of foundation, it keeps you focused, keeps you focused, keeps you organized, and also shows the rest of the group that you're having the meeting with that you are focused and you are organized, uh, and that builds trust and respect. Uh, number two, um, 
don't be shy when it comes to constructive dialogue. I mean, I've let delegations talk a little bit and share some things. There's times when maybe their insight is more important than what I had in mind as part of the report that I was looking for, and sometimes they have things to say that they don't have in a written report, and you can learn some stuff from that constructive uh, dialogue if you just let them talk a little bit, but keep in mind you don't want them to run the meeting. You're still running the meeting. But like I said, if it's really valuable stuff, let them say it. Uh, number three, uh, this kind of backs number two a little bit. Uh, number three is don't be afraid to take control uh, of the meeting. Uh, especially if, say, a delegation or there's a fight or an argument. or And I'd, I've seen all of these things. I've been in meetings. I've had meetings where there were fights. Fine example, a meeting I had uh, chaired, this goes back, I'm going to say 15 years ago. And there were two guys at the meeting, valuable members of the board, uh, they were directors, but very valuable members of the board and valuable in uh, their particular delegations uh, and their little uh, committees that they worked on. And for some reason there was a personality clash and one of them just got owly and they just started yelling and swearing and making all sorts of noise disrupting the meeting. And to give you an idea, it's not a huge meeting. There were maybe 10, 12 of us around the table. Well, these guys are making quite a quite a production out of this and they were at the far end of the table I'm at the head of the table there at the far end and I stopped the meeting I completely stopped the meeting and I don't raise my voice I'm pretty calm and cool when it comes to this stuff but I made it pretty clear I was not happy and I told the guys in fact I do believe I ordered them to leave the room but I gave them one particular goal a task I said if you guys can resolve this issue outside you're most welcome to come back to the meeting. Like, I mean, we need you in this meeting, but not in this particular mental state. You guys work out your differences, then come back. I was quite surprised, actually. Later in the meeting, they actually came back. They shook hands. Everything was fine. Never had a problem with those guys ever again. But uh, sometimes you have to take control of the meeting, and you are the chairman. If you're chairing the meeting, it is your meeting. So don't let those kind of disruptions throw you... Uh, curveball and knock the momentum out of what you're trying to achieve. Number four, I like this one, uh, keep the tasks and goals attainable to the skill sets of the members. So for example, if you're chairing meetings and you have a board where you have committees that you're trying to build or put together and you have some people with particular skill sets that would lend themselves to some of these uh, particular committees, match them up. It's not hard to do. And also, too, if you give somebody a task that they can do, and even if it's a real easy task that they can do and they achieve it quickly uh, and efficiently, they won't hesitate to provide future help in these particular ways so you know that's and, and also sometimes all you need to do is just give somebody a task they feel that they belong it builds up their self-confidence and, and you are actually in a roundabout way building another leader so that's a real valuable thing i've had some people on boards that i think thought they had much less value than they did you know the self-esteem thing and I was able to 
bring some people to places where they were able to achieve some stuff that I don't think they realized they could, but I could see that this was a person who could take this on, or this is a person who's compassionate enough to maybe handle this particular item. And if you can do that, you actually yourself become a pretty good leader as well. So good tip there. And my number five item, uh, keep an eye on the time. And if you have to speed things up, don't be shy about cutting somebody off. If you have to, do it nicely. Remind people that you don't want them to be there till midnight. Because again, as I said earlier, you don't want volunteers to burn out quickly and say, I'm not going to come to one of these meetings again. That one was five hours long. You don't want them to do that because if they're valuable to you, you will respect their time and the commitment that they've made to be there and if you show that they will respect you as well it's very very simple and basically that's my list of items on how to run a meeting a little more efficiently uh, these are examples that i've learned just myself uh, in the trenches as i said i've been to many 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 meetings shake my head at times i'm certainly not an expert but i've also found ways to uh, pull things out of people that maybe didn't see it in themselves and found themselves thrushed uh, or rather uh, pushed into a, a situation where you know i became a member of this group because you know so and so thought it would be good for me or you know nobody else put their hand up or whatever the case may be well you embrace those people and you find ways of making them fit because once they start to feel like they belong they will do stuff for you that you will never ever have been able to experience without that and you're building them up you're making them like i said new leaders and building their self-confidence and teaching them things and you know it's it's really really important to do those kind of things for other people so that's uh, how i like to run meetings and i hope you picked up something on that i'm g money call me george if you like it's uh, ninja on the loose and i'm going to get you to uh, take a look at one of my many websites uh, if you're so inclined, I'm going to direct you to the website that my wife has. She's got a blog. She's got uh, all sorts of videos and fun stuff. Uh, it's called Jambusters. That's a product that she's produced. And I'll let you look at the website to find out more. But it's www.jambusters.ca. We're Canadian, so we like to use .ca. That's jambusters.ca. Thanks again, and uh, till next time, have a great one.